You're listening to episode 380 of So You Want to Be a Writer, the podcast about the world of writing and publishing. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm your co-host and I'm also CEO of the Australian Writers' Centre, where you'll find writing courses and an incredibly supportive writing community of fantastic writers who are really kicking goals. Alison Tate, my co-host, will be back in the saddle very soon. She's having a summer break. Um, So I'm doing this in-between-isode. This week is a story session. If you're new to this podcast, this is where we read or the author reads, uh, generally around the first chapter of a book that we recommend. And this is so that you can sample it while you're doing your chores or painting your toenails or commuting or whatever it is. And it also means that if you're not yet comfortable standing in a bookshop reading the first chapter of the book out there in the big wide world, uh, you get to... um, Sample it because we bring the bookshop to you. This week, I've chosen Starting from Scratch by Penelope Janu. Regular listeners of this podcast will know that Penelope is one of our graduates at the Australian Writers' Centre, and she's also the author of several very popular rural romance books published by Harlequin HarperCollins, including On the Right Track, and up on Horseshoe Hill. Um, One of her first books was In at the Deep End, which she wrote after she graduated from our courses. She's come so far since and is an established author in her own right. So I'm always very excited to see Penelope release another title. She's so prolific. She's obviously found her passion in her niche and she writes about strong, emotional, flawed and very real characters who are wonderful to read about. So her latest book is Starting from Scratch, another beautiful and heartwarming tale that will take readers on, you know, emotional ups and downs of relationships. If you're already a fan of Penelope's books, you'll love it, of course. And if you haven't read any of her books, this is a great one to start with because you'll be quickly converted, I'm sure. So to give you a bit of an idea of what the book is about, here is the blurb. After a troubled childhood and the loss of her beloved grandmother, Savvy Brown finally finds somewhere to call home, the close-knit rural community of Horseshoe Hill. The locals love Safi because she never gives up. As chair of the Environment Committee, with the children in her classes, the troubled teens at the youth centre, the ex-racehorses she cares for, and even the neglected farmhouse and gardens she wants to make her own. Safi gives second chances to everything and everyone, except Mats Luxonen, an impossibly attractive environmental engineer who travels the world. Mats was Safi's closest childhood friend. He came to deliver a warning. Now he doesn't want to leave. All Safi wants to do is forget their painful past, but thrown together they discover an attraction that challenges what they thought they knew about each other. Do they have a chance to recapture what they lost so long ago? or will long-buried secrets tear them apart? In the flowers she creates from paper and the beauty that grows on the land, Safi has found perfect imperfection. Could that be what love is like too? Now, as a special treat, you'll hear Penelope reading the first chapter herself. So here is Penelope Janu reading from her latest novel, Starting from Scratch. Starting from Scratch by Penelope Janu, Chapter 1 Most people see colours, but sometimes I think that I see them more clearly. 
I've worked at the long timber bench at the farmhouse for the past two hours, pressing crepe paper petals into shape so they're ready to form into flowers. Gomphalobium grandiflorum, large wedge pea. The petals, in four shades of yellow, are lined up neatly in rows. Saffron, lemon, amber and gold. When a gust of wind rattles the window and sneaks through a gap in the frame, scores of petals fly into the air and fall to my feet like sunbeams. As I collect the petals and put them into a shoebox, I imagine Gran at her old kitchen table, the surface obscured by reams of crepe paper. Don't be so particular, Saffy, she'd say, as I fussed over shade and sequence. It's the imperfections that make the flowers perfect. I pack away supplies, glues and tapes, forestry wire and scissors, the yellow-coloured crepe I've cut into strips and the moss green pieces I'll shape for the foliage. A screech shoots through the silence possums in the red gum. I wish they'd eat there every night and leave the orange trees alone. Another gust of wind, stronger than the last, rattles the window again. The latch is fastened but the timber is weathered and the screws are loose. One day, when this farmhouse is mine, I'll replace the windowsill and fill in all the gaps. I'll hang curtains to keep out the cold, plaster the cracks in the cornices and repair the rotting skirting boards. One day. I turn off the overhead lights and lock the front door behind me. A butterscotch moon, low in the sky, throws shadowy light on the gardens. Camellia trees, azalea bushes and tangles of bare-branched midwinter roses. The trunk of the red gum is pale as pink. The low-lying branches heavy with foliage. When the breeze catches my hood and pulls it back, the air is cold on my face. I thread loose hairs through my plait and secure it under my collar. My breasts are white as I step through the shadows on the porch. I could walk by road to the school where I teach and live, but I prefer to hike cross-country. High silky clouds, grey and teal, obscure the pinprick stars. Tree roots have lifted cracks in the path at the side of the farmhouse, and the water tank near the raised beds of herbs is ringed with rusty stripes. Ten empty pots, stacked in a wobbly tower, lean against the greenhouse. Was it Barney who hid the marijuana plants behind the tomato vines and trellis? My heart sinks. I don't want it to be him or any of the teens and children who come to the farmhouse to help with the horses or just hang around. But Barney has shown particular interest in the vegetable gardens in the past few months. I glance at the compost bin. The plants were mature. Was it safe to uproot them, cut them up and shove them in there? Tomorrow I'll add worms to the bin and fill it up with horse manure. Skirting around the mandarin and kumquat trees, I bypass the horses napping the yards and slip between the rungs of the wide metal gate. The track through the paddock is fairly straight and the grass is low and scrappy. More difficult to navigate is the scrub that borders the creek. I push back the branches, jump over a ditch and skirt around thistles. The creek is low and the meandering flow, black in the shadows, is interspersed by ridges of rock. I jump over two shallow crevices before leaping over the band of deeper water to land on my feet and scramble up the incline. I'm still crouched low, my hands on the ground, when I see a man walking through the paddock from the direction of the school. He's dressed in city clothes. His shoulders are broad. He's tall. If I stand, he'll see me. Doesn't matter. Horseshoe Hill is my home. I haven't done anything wrong. As I push myself upright, I touch a dandelion weed, the long fleshy leaves soft on my fingers. I recall the marijuana. Barney is only 14. I don't think he smokes or drinks. Was he cultivating the weed for somebody else? This track leads directly to the farmhouse. It is the man sneaking in to check out the crop. I scramble back to the cheap creek bed, running along the bank before tackling the incline again. 
There's a little cover on this side of the creek, only two gum trees. The closest tree isn't very tall, but there's a much larger tree next to it. I stand on a boulder and leap to the first tree, taking hold of the branch and swinging a leg over the bough, before hoisting myself onto it and sitting astride. I wriggle to the trunk, wrap an arm around it and stand. The adjacent tree's lowest branch, narrow and straight like a bar, is higher than the one I'm on and only a metre away. I bend my knees and jump, grasping the branch with both hands before looping my legs around it. The branch, bowing under my weight, tilts towards the ground. Yikes. Hanging by my legs and arms, I shuffle towards the trunk. It's too wide to wrap my arms around, but the knobbly remnants of a long dead branch provide a handhold. I grasp it as I pull myself up and sit, legs dangling beneath me. I check my phone. Almost ten o'clock. I peer through the leaves. The man is only twenty metres away. His coat falls past his thighs. The collar is turned up. I can't make out his features, but I think that he's young, with short dark hair. He doesn't have the look of a teenage druggie and, as he's not shady and thin or thick-set and threatening, he looks nothing like the dealers I've seen. But there's something familiar about him. When he stops at the end of the track and looks in my direction, I hold my breath. He shouldn't be able to see me. My hair is dark brown. I'm dressed in black and grey and obscured behind the tree trunk. But just in case, I yank out my hood, pulling the toggle tight so it sits above my mouth. I hear steps through the undergrowth. Branches pushed aside. Silence. My heart thumps hard against my ribs. Hello? His voice is deep. Does he know I'm close? Why else would he call out? Should I answer? If he's walking around in the dead of night with criminal intent, I have no interest in talking to him. He might not know exactly where I am, and even if he does, my branch won't hold his weight. I feel for my phone again. Reception isn't great, but I can threaten to call for help if I have to. He scrambles down the bank to the creek and walks alongside it, his eyes on the ground until he reaches my tree. He stops, turns and looks up. The moon sneaks through a crack in the clouds and shines on his face. My breath catches. Matt's Larksona. A strong jaw, high Nordic cheekbones and deep-set intelligent eyes. A crease through his brow when he frowns and a twitch to his lips when he smiles. A scar on his chin. It's a face I could never forget. Who are you? He asks. A wave of unhappiness tightens my throat. The girl who loved you a lifetime ago. Come down, he says. The school is hundreds of metres away, securely locked up for the night. The old schoolhouse where I live is even further. In the distance, I see headlights, a truck on the loop road. It's probably Freddy, who's often late home from the markets. Matt scrambles up the slope and pulls a phone from his pocket. When he activates the light, the bright silver beam triples my heart rate. Should I stand on my branch, it would hardly make a difference. Sapphire? His shoulders are broader than they used to be. The stubble on his face is even and neat. I sit taller and loosen the toggle on my hood. I draw it back, pulling out my plait and flicking the long end down my back. I blink against the glare. Turn off the light, Mats. He puts the phone in his pocket. Why are you up there? Why are you down there? I came to warn you. He crosses his arms. What about? Not now, he says. Get down. One of my hands is on the tree trunk, the other is on the branch near my leg. I wriggle my fingers, stiff with cold. I want to get down, but... How did you know I was out here? I looked for you at the school. I was sent to the farmhouse. By who? The hotel barman. When I'm teaching children to sound out words, I draw out the letters. I elongate them. ba r m a n Mats does the opposite when he speaks. His native language is Finnish. 
He's fluent in English, but his words are short and sharp. Did my father send you? He can't reach the branch, but steps as close as he can. How did you get up there? When I don't answer, he looks from my tree to the other tree, then speaks through his teeth. Still taking risks. Calculated ones. You can't go back that way. I glance at the ground, three metres down. It falls away steeply. I'll have to swing wide and drop to higher ground. Even so, I'll manage. You'll hurt yourself. He takes a few steps down the incline and braces himself. Jump, Sapphire. I'll break your fall. Leave me alone, Mats. You haven't changed, have you? It's been eight years. How would you know? There's a rustling in the leaves above me. A ring-tailed possum scampers headfirst down the tree trunk. When I yelp and pull back my arm, he freezes. His coat is speckled grey. His startled eyes are bright. I put my hands on the branch on the side of my legs as I inch away. I'm on your tree, aren't I? I say. It's okay. I won't hurt. The branch dips sharply and I lose my balance. I fall. If I jumped, I would have landed on my feet. Mats would have stopped me falling down the slope. As it is, my arms flail in midair as I try to right my body. But I don't have time. I don't. I'm moving too fast for Mats to catch me. So I land on my back and tumble helter-skelter down the slope towards the water. Sapphire! Pebbles and gravel dig into my skin. My chest burns and I fight to suck in air. My eyes water, then tears trickle down my cheeks and into my ears. He crouches by my side and runs his hand, barely touching, up my arm. Are you winded? Take small breaths. Fill your lungs slowly. He puts a hand on my shoulder and frowns. Don't move. He takes my wrist and feels for my pulse. When he looks at his watch, his breaths are steady. His eyes are dark like storm clouds. He smooths hair from my face and it sticks to my cheek. Ow! He frowns again. I'm sorry. It's grazed. He shrugs out of his coat and lays it over my body, tucking it closely around me from my neck to my toes. Breathe, kisser. Kissa is Finnish for cat. When I was a little girl, he said I was a pest, but tolerable, and he wouldn't have said tolerable. What did he say? That allowing me to follow him around was far less trouble than forcing me to leave. I want to check nothing is broken, he says. I squeak a response. He carefully presses down the right side of my body, shoulder, ribs, hip, knee and ankle, his touch impersonal and clinical. His hand goes to my left side. He feels down my shoulder and arm. I flinch. He frowns. What? Did I hurt you? The scar tissue on my inner arm, and other scars as well. No, I croak. When he's finished looking for broken bones, he sits back on his heels. The shadows shift. I shudder. I suck in tiny breaths. His shirt is long-sleeved, but cold. He must be cold. Can you move your hands, he says, your feet. I feel the weight and warmth of his coat as I stretch out my fingers and rotate my ankles. Yes, I whisper. Your head, your back and legs. Do you feel pain? Numbness? Just winded. He watches I draw into my lungs and bend and straighten my legs until they feel like mine again. When I attempt to get up, he puts firm hands on my back and waist and shifts me onto my side. Stay there. His phone buzzes. Like Sonnen. He speaks in Finnish, just a few words. I roll, without help this time, onto my hands and knees. I smell eucalyptus, dust and leaf litter. Matt stands there easily and holds out his hands. I shake my head. I can get up by myself. Prove it. We're at the base of the slope. The creek gurgles next to us. The trees tower above us. Where is the possum? I dig my heels into the ground, draw up my knees and rest my forehead on them. As if I'm lightheaded, as if I need to think. 
I do need to think. Give me a minute. The air is cold on my cheek. I tentatively touch it, sticky with blood. The children in my class age from seven to ten. I'll tell them I climbed a tree because I had to, what, spy on someone? I could have stood on the ground and hidden behind the tree trunk. That would have been adequate, sensible. Why go to so much trouble? I look up, straight into his eyes. Slowly shaking his head, Matt's kneels, rearranges his coat around my shoulders and fastens a button. What a stupid thing to do, he says, as he unclenches my fingers and brushes stones from my palms. Ow! I snatch my hands back and press my palms against my knees. He frowns and, muttering under his breath, he stands again, undoing his, the buttons of his shirt and shrugging it off. He's wearing a white T-shirt underneath. I blink when he grabs the hem with both hands and pulls it off. Mats, what are you... He's slender but strong. Even in the half-light, his pectoral and abdominal muscles are clearly defined. Holding the T-shirt between his knees, he slides firmly muscled arms back into the sleeves of his shirt. I look away. Wait here, he says. His coat hugs my back as I rest my head on my knees again. His footsteps crunch on the gravel. Within a minute, he's back and holds out his T-shirt, wet but neatly folded. Clean your hands and face, he says. The fabric is soft. When I hold it to my cheek, it smells fresh. His shirt is buttoned again and neatly tucked in. My skin is suddenly warm. Thank you. Besides the wind in the trees and occasional movement in the undergrowth, it's quiet. I take care with my hands, ignoring the stinging as I brush the dirt away. This fabric is smudged with blood. I don't want to give it back, but I don't want to hang on to it. As if he reads my mind, he takes it from me. I clumsily undo the button and hold up his coat. Thanks. Keep it. A shiver passes through me. I'm okay. After shoving the T-shirt into a pocket, he puts the coat back on. He holds out his hands and I take them. I wait for my hands to hurt again, but all I'm aware of is the press of his palms against mine. A second passes, or is it a few? Our hands have grown. We're adults now. His touch feels the same, yet different. Slowly and carefully, he pulls me to my feet. He's still much taller, but our height differential is far less than it was. When I tug to free my fingers, he tightens his hold. He checks that I'm steady on my feet before he lets me go. I nod stiffly. Thank you. The clouds shift. They're thinner than they were, gossamer sheets of iridescent pearl. Light catches his hair and turns the tips gold. There are golden eagles in Finland. Kotka is Finnish for eagle. That's the name I gave him. Wow, I just love all of the imagery that Penelope uses. You can really see and feel what Safi is experiencing. If you'd like to read the rest of the book, Starting from Scratch by Penelope Janu is out now with Harlequin HarperCollins. And here's a very brief chat with Penelope about her journey to publication. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre and our popular course, Creative Writing Stage 1. This course is the perfect way to unlock your creativity and explore the world of writing. You'll learn how to create memorable characters, believable dialogue and captivating plots, all in a supportive environment in this five-week online course, with your very own tutor giving you personal feedback each week. Penelope Janu has had several novels published by HarperCollins, including In at the Deep End, On the Right Track and Up on Horseshoe Hill. Here's what she says. Well, now I'm a writer. I was a lawyer for many years before that. I had a long um, career as a solicitor, first of all, and then I worked in academia at a university teaching law uh, for almost 20 years. But now, um, since the publication of my book, um, and I've written another one and another one after that, um, I'm pretty much a full-time writer. 
Well, I suppose my first real introduction to writing was at the Australian Writers' Centre. Uh, my daughter, who's a children's author, she sent me a link and she said, Mum, this might be good for you because she knew I'd been talking about writing, I've been thinking about studying. So I enrolled in the course um, and that very much was a stepping stone for me. I'd never written creatively. I'd written a lot as an academic, uh, but not creatively. And I was very nervous, uh, but Lisa was, was really encouraging and there were so many others around me. So I guess it gave me the courage to think, gee, you know, this is something Thing that I can do. It was very exciting. I've been writing very hard for a, a couple of years. I actually pitched the novel to Harlequin Mira at the um, Romance Writers of Australia conference. She loved it and she wanted to take it to acquisitions and so within a week, yeah, I knew that there was a likelihood that, that Harlequin Mira would support the novel and would publish it and then it was a very busy year doing all the editing and so on with it. Um, the best thing about the course that I've done is really it gave me the confidence to have faith in my own voice, that my own voice is something that's unique to me. The knowledge of that means that you, you might also think as an early career author is that you have something to say that other people might want to hear because you have that unique voice. I started a bit later and there can be a benefit in that. So if you're somebody who has already had a career or brought up your family, um, don't be afraid to start. And so doing a course will certainly give you that confidence. It can certainly assist you in that. And if you need longer term support, then obviously there are other, other courses. So your writing community can become your tribe in many ways and you will find people within that community that are supportive, that are encouraging. And they're the people that you need to connect with in order to, um, to grow and to, um, to succeed, I guess, as a writer. If you'd like to find out more, go to writercentre.com.au slash creative writing. Thanks for listening to this story session of So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find more details about the podcast and a wealth of writing resources and courses at writercentre.com.au. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre. Connect with us on social media at writercentreau, on Twitter and Instagram, and join our free podcast listener community on Facebook. Just search for So You Want to Be a Writer podcast community and request to join. We'd love to see you in there. We'll be back to our regular programming in your next episode. Thanks for listening and I look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find the show notes at writerscentre.com.au slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writerscentre.com.au slash news where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions and much more. <laughs>